Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 11. Now in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we read the 15th and 16th verses. And then we'll be going directly to 1 Corinthians 11. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let me read that to you from another translation. Verse 16 from another translation says, For from him the whole body, closely joined and knit together by the contact of every part with the source of its life, derives its power to grow in proportion to the vigor of each individual part and so is being built up in a spirit of love. What he's talking about here is the body, how that the body of Christ is like a human body and how that if all the parts are working right and functioning properly, then it works together and is built up and edified and grows and increases. And the same way that that can happen with a physical body, he said that's what's to happen with the spiritual body of Christ. Now looking with me also at 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. And in uh, verse 29, he mentions the fact here that these folk were not discerning the Lord's body. And verse 30 says, For this cause many are weak and sickly, among you, and many sleep. In other words, many have died prematurely. Many are weak, many are sickly, many have died prematurely because of a failure to properly discern the Lord's body. What we've been studying is the issue of discerning the Lord's body. Now, we said that this passage here could be interpreted two primary ways. This verse that we just got through looking at, they didn't discern the Lord's body, and because of that, many were weak and sickly and had died prematurely. We said that the first and foremost way that you should understand that is that they didn't discern the elements that they were using in communion. They didn't discern what that bread that they were taking represented. They didn't understand that that represented the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and that his body was broken for us. Amen? Amen. Another way of saying that is by his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen. And you see from the context that when they were eating this supper, Paul told them, he said, what you're doing is not eating the Lord's supper. You're just coming and eating and being gluttonous and getting drunk. And he said, you're not discerning those elements. You just look at bread and think bread and eat bread, you see, and, and were gluttonous, and they weren't discerning what that bread represented. But that bread represents the literal, physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for us. Amen. And his body was broken so that ours could be whole. But there is another understanding of this as well, and that is that that bread represents the body of Christ, and we know that today all of us make up the body of Christ. The whole church of the Lord Jesus Christ makes up the body. 
And so it is a truth that people can be in trouble and people can be weak and sickly and even die prematurely as a result of not rightly discerning the church and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as far as the other members of the body. And we talked about the fact that if you're going to walk in health and walk in the blessings of God, then you have to fulfill the requirements of the new covenant. Amen. Now see, under the old covenant, if you studied the healing verses, uh, it, it says like in Exodus 15 and 23 and Deuteronomy 7, different places where it talks about the healing covenant where God said, I'll be the Lord that heals you. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you, etc., etc. All of those passages are prefaced with words like if. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments. Right. If you obey me. If, if, if. Well now, that promise of him being our healer belongs to us today. The blessings of Abraham are ours through Jesus Christ. We didn't lose any of those things. But the way that we fulfill our obligations today is not by keeping the Ten Commandments or observing the sacrifices or the ordinances under the Old Covenant. The Bible tells us that all of those things are summed up in the New Testament commandment. Amen? The Bible says over in Romans 13, it says that love works no ill to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And in the New Testament over in 1 John 3, about verses 21 and 22, 1 John 3, it said that whatever that we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Then it says, and this is his commandment. See, under the new covenant, this is 1 John, under the new covenant, what is the commandment that we're to keep? This is the commandment that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as he gave his commandments. See, two key words here, faith and love. If you walk in faith and you walk in love, then you are fulfilling the requirements of the new covenant. Amen. Amen. And I know that sounds pretty simple, but how many know that that's a full-time job? Walking in faith and walking in love. Every day you'll have opportunities where you have to make a decision. Am I going to walk by sight or am I going to walk by faith in this? And if you deal with people, every day there's going to be opportunities. Am I going to be selfish? Am I going to demand my own way or am I going to walk in love? Is that right? Amen. And so, depending on what choices you make, you are either meeting the requirements of the new covenant or you are failing to meet the requirements. And by not walking in faith and by not walking in love, you can forfeit your rights to some of the blessings of God. I think that's something that, you know, maybe we in charismatic circles need to talk a little bit more about because we just say, well, by stripes we're healed. And that's true, but you have to appropriate what belongs to you. Amen. And folk act like it doesn't make any difference how you live or how you act. You're just healed and you'll be blessed. Well, no. You gotta act right. You gotta treat people right. Amen. You gotta walk by, you, you can't be full of doubt and unbelief and, and act selfish and mean to people and walk in health and healing and prosperity and all the blessings of God. Doesn't work that way. Some folk don't like that, but that's the way it is. It's true. You know, sometimes people are so concerned about whether God's going to keep his promise and keep his word. Friend, you zero in on the commandments. You keep the commandments, God will keep the promise. You won't have to worry about that. Amen. But instead of focusing in so much on him, is he going to do it? No, the question is, are you going to walk in faith? Are you going to walk in love? If you do, then you're meeting all the requirements. Amen that God expects of you and the door is open for you to be tremendously blessed in every area of life. But we've been talking about discerning the body of Christ. And this has everything to do with healing. 
Can you see that it does? Many people in the church at Corinth were weak, sickly. Many had even died prematurely. What did he cite as the reason? Failure to rightly discern the body of Christ. Now, we've already said the first understanding of that is the literal physical body that was scourged and beat and broken for you. That's the first way you understand. But there is also an application here to the whole body of Christ. And I think you can see more of that as we proceed and as we talk about it. Now, yesterday, we talked about body placement. Anybody here yesterday? Yes. You, you remember anything we said? Huh? Yes. Good, good. Uh, we, we talked about, we went over to 1 Corinthians 12. We saw where the Bible said that, you know, just like the, the natural body has many members, but it's one body, even so that's the way the body of Christ is. Jesus is the head, and there's many members. We are the members. And God has set the members in the body as it has pleased Him. Yes. And we sang, I rejoice in your choice for me. Yes. Amen. Yes. We say, where has God put you? Well, wherever he's put you, rejoice in it. Don't think the grass is greener across the fence or somewhere else. Don't look at somebody else's place or call or ministry or, or what lot in life, if you will, you know, and say, oh, you know, I wish I had that ministry. I wish I had this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to be where God wants you to be. Because that's where your grace is. Outside, you know, I say this many times and it rhymes and it sounds funny, but I'm not just trying to make a joke, but this is the truth. If you're out of your place, you're out of your grace and you'll fall on your face. (laughs) Did you know that's true? It's true. And we talked about the fact that there are people that are not in their place in the body and they're, they're so dissatisfied and they're, they're uncomfortable. And they oftentimes even question whether they fit anywhere. But friend, we said emphatically that when God recreated your spirit and you're born again, that he has a place that fits you like a, like a hand fits a tailor-made glove. Amen. There's a place where you fit and there's a place where you can do some good. Amen. If you hadn't found it yet, don't despair. Uh, commit it to God and believe him to help you to get in the place where you're supposed to be. And we said to you that two big keys of getting into the place that God has for you is faith and faithfulness. So you need to believe God, ask Him to to get you in your place and expect Him to. Even when it looks like that you're in the totally wrong place, just keep expecting Him to put you in the right place. Amen? Amen. No matter if you feel like a fish out of water, you know, just, just keep expecting God to help get you where you need to be. But then also understand this, your stewardship and faithfulness with the charge that you have right now is determining how quickly and even if you get to your ultimate place. Amen. So, you know, you don't just need to get far-sighted and say, well, i got a wonderful place somewhere in the body and not pay attention to what you're doing right now because if you're not faithful in what, you have, what your hand can find to do right now, you may not ever even get to it. Your faithfulness in what some people might consider the small things and insignificant things right now is making all the difference as, as to how quickly you get to the place God, ultimate place God has for you, and even if you get there, you see. So uh, nobody starts out in the place that God has for them ultimately. Amen. Everybody starts off at the bottom. If you don't start there, you stay there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean by that. you got to start you know, wherever uh, you're at. But we talked about the fact that God places people in the body. 
And not only does He place you where He wants you and set you where He wants you, but He sets people around about you according to His will. It is not just a haphazard thing. And we begin talking about at the end of our session yesterday, we begin talking about the fact that people that God has allowed us and led us and caused us to become connected with through the years are by divine appointment and are for a divine purpose. Now, I want you to back over with me to Colossians here. And, and Colossians has a similar verse to the one that we read in Ephesians 4. But it says some things just a little bit differently, and sometimes that'll catch your attention and, and you'll, uh, you'll get it better. But in Colossians, the second chapter, he prayed a prayer here for them of sorts in the second verse of this second chapter of Colossians. Colossians 2.2, 2, he, he said that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Everybody say that phrase with me. Knit together in love. See, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now in verse 18 he said this, he said, Let no man beguile you in your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head. Now let me just stop right there and make a, a note about that. You know, the devil is very subtle in the different things he tries to introduce into the body of Christ to get people off track. But did you notice here what he said? That, now this talks about this particular device that the enemy would use is to get people focusing in on angels and paying too much attention to angels and even getting into worshiping of angels. And right now it seems that the focus is on demons. Right? But whether the focus is on demons or whether the focus is on angels, or whether the focus is on intercessors, or whether the focus is on, you know, warring tongues, or whether the focus is on whatever, notice where the focus is not. On Jesus. You understand? And see, that's the device of the enemy. I mean, see, you could take anything. You could take anything and put undue emphasis on it and get into error. We all know that prayer is good and prayer is right and you're supposed to pray. But did you know you can put more emphasis on prayer than you do Jesus? That might sound odd, but you certainly can. And prayer can become works and efforts of the flesh. And people can give the glory for things that are accomplished to the prayer instead of Jesus. I've actually seen that happen in situations. You know, maybe something happened in the church. Somebody came, got saved. Somebody got healed, whatever you know. And somebody got talking about and somebody said, and some folks stood up and said, oh yeah, we prayed that through. Well, that sounds innocent enough at the onset, but a lot of times what people are doing is they're giving the glory to the prayer. Oh yeah, we burst it in and we got it, we got it done. Well, there is, there are things that are to be done in prayer. But see, it's not just the people that prayed. 
Let's say somebody got saved. What about the guy that, uh, the, the lady that invited them to church? They had a big party. What about the people that were nice to them in the parking lot and helped them feel comfortable and at home and the greeters at the door and the people that helped make them feel comfortable so they didn't get up and leave before they heard the message? Amen. What about the minister that preached the message? Oh, listen it. Amen. And above all, what about the Holy Ghost? Yes, that's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Who dealt with their heart and helped them to see the truth. And what about Jesus who died for them yes, and did save them? You see, yes. the, the preacher ought not to say, oh, my preaching did the job. The individual that brought them ought not to say, oh, I'm the one that did it. The person that prayed shouldn't say, I'm the one that did it. No, thank God if you had a part in it, but Jesus is the one that did it. Yes, he amen. gets the glory and you should hold to the head. Amen. 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 Do you see the subtlety of the enemy and all these things? You can take it, even good things. I mean, angels is a good subject to talk about, and angels are ministering spirits sent to help us. But see, you can talk more about angels than you do Jesus. And see, you don't, you don't have to have a bunch of gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. You don't have to have discerning of spirits. You don't have to have walked with God for 50 years or 75 years to, to be able to discern some of these errors. All you have to note is that, hey, they talk more about that than they do Jesus. And you know that's not right. I said, you know that's not right. Anytime anything gets more, uh, more emphasis than, than the head, then folk have gotten off and they've gotten away. I don't care how spiritual it sounds. I don't care if it is a Bible theme and subject. I don't care if they do have verses. Notice the emphasis. Notice the emphasis. And he said, these folks here are not holding to the head. They're not lifting up the head. They're not looking and emphasizing the head from which, in other words, from the head, all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. I mean, it's, it's all about the head. It starts with the head and it ends with the head. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of our faith. The one who's begun the good work and the one who'll finish it. Amen. Amen. It's him. It's him. And if you ever let anything distract you from talking more about him, you know. I know I have friends and people that I've even talked with. And maybe don't see them for a while and you get back and say, oh, you know, what's God talking to you about? Well, you know, God's always talking to me about the same thing. Jesus. Amen. (laughs) That's the subject. That's the message. Jesus. Amen. Whether it's Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Healer, Jesus the Baptizer the Holy Ghost, Jesus the Provider, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Still Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know, talking about prayer again, you know, I don't, maybe I think a little bit differently than some folk do on this, but I think a lot of people put too much emphasis on prayer and give the glory too much to prayer. And I believe in praying. I pray all the time. I pray constantly. You know, I just a common thing for me to commune with the Lord while I'm walking down the hall. I pray. I believe in praying. But when something happens and I have an answer to prayer, I don't hold my prayer up and say, look at here, I prayed and this happened. You know what I say? I say, God, God did this for me. You don't give the glory to the prayer. Amen. You give the glory to the one who did it. Yes. Amen. I mean, if you want to get technical about it, it wasn't per se the prayer that did it. It was God who did it. Right. All the prayer is, is you asking God. That's right. Amen. Amen. And cer- certainly that's important and necessary, vital. But 
Who gets the glory? Not the prayer, not the prayer, but the prayer answerer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't want to overwork that, but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, that's uh, to me, that's, that's an important part. Holding to the head. Holding to the head. You know, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, you ought to have your eyes on the head. Amen. The head, the head, the head. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noontime. Jesus when the sun goes down. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know, if, if your mind plays on 50 different stations, all of them ought to play Jesus. Amen. Just different things about Jesus, but it's all Jesus. Amen. And that we as Christians, Christians means like Christ ones, you see. As Christians, we ought to be able to turn any conversation around to Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I don't care what you're talking about. We ought, we ought to be able to take it for just a few seconds and we, have, we got them back, back on Jesus. Amen. Talking about Jesus. Do you ever get tired of talking about Jesus? No! I mean, He's everything. He, he's, he's the lily of the valley. He, he's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's everything. I mean, if you can't get excited about Jesus, you're just either dead or lost or something. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, if your soul's alive to God, you understand that if you taste of the Lord, you see He is good. Amen. And you want some more. Some more what? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. I don't care if you see a troop of angels that appear in your bedroom tomorrow about dawn. And you see all kind of wonderful things. You ought to have a question. Did Jesus send you? <laughs> Amen. And then he asked him, what did he say? What did he tell you to say? I want to know what he said. Amen. You're not just talking about angels. You're talking about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, praise God. I get excited about that. Jesus. Now notice. He said, these folk are failing to hold to the head. So they're getting their eyes off of Jesus. Now, of course, you understand this is subtle. A lot of these folk, if you ask them, well, you know, do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah. You believe in Jesus is Lord? Oh, yeah. Is he priority? Oh, yeah. But if you listen to them talk, they talk more about these other things than they do Jesus. They're deceived. They're deluded. They think they hold Jesus in the highest place, but, you know, they really don't. But he said, these folk are not holding to the head. And he said, from the head, all the body, by the joints and the bands, have nourishment ministered, and it's knit together, and it increases with the increase of God. Listen to another translation. This one says, from him, the head, Jesus, the whole body, by the joints which bind it, draws full supplies for all its needs. I like that, don't you? and is knit together and increases in a godly growth. I want to read that again. Don't you think about it. From him, from the head, from Jesus, the whole body, by the joints which bind it, draws full supplies for all its needs. I like that. Another one says, From him, the body, in all its parts, is nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and connections. Now, did you hear from the head, 
Every part of the body is nourished and supplied through the points of contact and connections are joints, the King James says. Now, do you know why I've been talking about connections? Now, we made mention of this to you yesterday, that God has set you in the body as it pleased Him. And He sets people around you and you around them as it pleases Him. Not only is your placement God-ordained, but the relationships that you've developed with people is also God-ordained. At least, perhaps some of them. <laughs> you, have to, you have to judge them. You have to measure them. Because it is possible for you to join yourself to people just of yourself. God didn't do it. You just do it. And it is possible to join yourself to things, to organizations, even to churches, and even to ministries, and it just be your idea. Just what you want to do, and not God's plan. And friend, this makes all the difference in what kind of level and quality of life you live. Because whatever you're connected to, you receive from. And whatever's in them, if you stay connected to it enough, it gets in you. Be it good or bad. If they're full of life, then that'll be good. Life will get in you. If they're full of death, death will get in you. If they're full of peace and wisdom, great. But if they're full of junk, then that's what gets in you too. The Bible says in Proverbs, He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. A good example of that is Lot. How many remember that, that Lot hooked up with Abraham? Remember that? And what happened to him? Man, he got blessed. I mean, he went from being, you know, kind of a, a halfway orphan child to being a rich, rich man, a man of standing in the community, a man of means. But he decided he'd separate himself from Abraham and go join himself to Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't he? Somebody said, that's a stupid move. Yeah, but a lot of Christians have done similar things. Do you know that? They really have. Now, you know, some people think that Lot just completely, you know, lost his salvation, so to speak. But you know he didn't? I said, you know he didn't? Do you know the Bible calls him in the New Testament, calls him a righteous man? And it's talking about the time he was living in the city. Lot didn't go and get involved in their immorality. But he did live among them. You understand? And the Bible said that righteous man vexed himself with their unlawful deeds day by day while he lived among them. You know, a lot of people cause themselves so much unnecessary problems just by putting themselves in the places that they do. 
joining up and hooking up with certain things, they cause themselves all kind of torment and vexation because they know the things are not right and yet they're in the middle of it. And one of the most serious things about this is that even though Lot was saved and God was trying to save his whole family, Lot lost his possessions. Isn't that right? Lost his wife. Lost his sons-in-laws. Because he was too close to the ungodly and when they got judged, it took some of his stuff too. Not that he was ungodly. See, the Bible didn't say he was ungodly. In fact, the New Testament calls him a righteous man. But see, he hooked himself up with the wrong thing. You know, you'll see that frequently in the Scriptures. Many times, where people joined themselves. See, God didn't tell them to do it. They decided they wanted to. And there's all kinds of reasons why people do it. Over in Numbers 25, you don't have to turn there, but in Numbers 25, it says that the children of Israel joined themselves to Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. The Bible also says that thousands of them died from plague and problems. Why? See, they decided. They got to looking over there and seeing these people partying and seeing all these things, and they thought, man, that would be great. That would be fun. And they, they didn't check with God. They probably knew there was no need to check with God. How many know that some things you just know, there's no need in asking God. God, can I go over and do that? You, there's no need asking Him. You know what He'd say. Right? So, you know, they just went and just hooked up with them and said, you know, hey, let's, let's hook up together here. And they got involved with them and thousands of them died. Thousands of them died. Judgment came on. But you know, there's stories, other stories of good people, like we said about Lot, who hooked themselves up with bad people. Uh, one classic example of it, if you study the kings, is Jehoshaphat and Ahab. How many know Ahab was not a good guy? His wife was Jezebel, remember her? And the Bible said there was none like Ahab who sold himself to do evil whom his wife Jezebel stirred up. Bad combination. Ahab was ungodly. I mean, he was a Baal worshiper. He was a child sacrificer. I mean, you name it, he did it. He killed, he lied, he stole. He was an ungodly individual. Jehoshaphat was a godly man. How many remember that? He's a godly king. I mean, he's the one that when they got in trouble, he, he learned to wait on God and, and obey God. And it's the one that God, you know, when the praisers went forth and they had victory. And, and I mean, Jehoshaphat was a godly man. And the Bible said that God blessed Jehoshaphat and he became very, very wealthy. But it says here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, so you don't have to turn there, but I'm just giving the reference so you'll know. Second Chronicles 20, it said that Jehoshaphat joined himself up with Ahab. And they said they'd go in on a project together. They built ships and developed a navy, and they sent out their navy, and on the first trip, they all sank. I mean, it costs money to build ships, even in those days. I mean, it doesn't pay to hook up with the wrong folk. Now, it wasn't that Jehoshaphat was an ungodly man. Even when he was hooked up with Ahab, he was still a godly man. 
Even when Ahab was doing crazy things and ready to just act rashly and ungodly, Jehoshaphat speak up and say, well, is there a prophet around we can inquire of? I mean, he's still, you know, and, and even when they found a prophet, the prophet of God said to him, he said, you know, when those kings were coming to inquire of him, he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at y'all. Because they were all ungodly. They didn't care about God. But he said, since Jehoshaphat is here, I'll, I'll inquire of the Lord. But good people can hook up with wrong things. And friend, we ought to be careful about our associations. We ought to be. We ought to be prayerful. When we think about hooking up with this one or that one, hooking up with this church or that church or this ministry or that ministry or this group or that group, we ought to be prayerful about that. Amen. And we ought not just do things according to our own head or what it looks like or go by appearances. And I mean, not just what we're talking about with spiritual things, but with natural things, with your investments and your financial matters. Don't just go by reading charts and go by looking at things on the outside. You need to pray and be led. We need to be led. And God will let you know who and what is right for you to hook up with. And until He lets you know, leave it alone. It's just that simple. Somebody said, well, I've prayed about this and I just can't seem to get anything about this in my heart. Well, guess what that means? Leave it alone. Until, unless God deals with you to hook up with somebody in something, then you wait on Him. Brother Hagin has said something through the years that this helps me tremendously all the time. You've probably heard him say this. He said, I go as much for what the Lord doesn't say as by what He does say. I go as much for what the Lord doesn't say as by what He does say. I've had people to talk to me and ask me before, well, Brother Keith, doesn't that mean that if the Lord doesn't tell you no, that means you can go ahead and do it? Wrong. That's exactly backwards. Unless the Lord deals with you to do it, then you leave it alone. You just wait. How many are with me on that? You understand what we're talking about? Well, I, I've prayed and I just can't seem to get anything to mind. And I've had people say, well, you know, I prayed and the Lord didn't tell me I couldn't do it. That's not enough. The Lord will let you do anything. I mean, even if you bug Him enough about something, that's not even His will. He'll let you do it. How many remember that Israel wanted a king? Is that right? They wanted a king and the Lord said, no, you don't need a king. The prophet told them, the Lord is your king. You don't need a king. Oh, we want a king. We want a king. Did you know finally what the Lord told them? All right, give him a king. You see, some people even do that even in prayer. I mean, they'll ride the Lord about saying, Oh, Lord, let me do it. Oh, Lord, let me do it. Oh, and he'll finally say, You want to do it? Do it. And they'll say, Oh, great, great. No, not great. Not great. You're in for trouble. One way I know is because I've done some of those things. There's been some areas, particularly I'm thinking about financially and materially, where there have been some things I wanted to do. I wanted to do it. And I just kept on, Lord, I want to do that. I want to do it. I want to do it. Lord wouldn't talk to me about it. Now see, we should pick up something. Right? The Lord don't want to talk to you about it. Drop it. Just drop the subject. Leave it alone. No, but your flesh wants it. Right? 
So you just keep on. Oh, Lord, come on. You know, I'll do this. I'll do that. And uh, Come on, Lord, you know. Uh, is it all right? Is it all right? Is it all right? Can I do it? <laughs> finally, on this one particular thing, I mean, after months of that, the Lord finally said, do it if you want to. I ran did it. <laughs> A few years later, I was praying, Oh God, don't, don't let me do anything. I don't want you to let me do anything. What do you want me to do? Let's forget this let me stuff. Lord. I don't want any more let me stuff. I've changed my praying. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can, you can pull on something and God will let you do, you know. Brother Hagin says that he said, the Lord will let you stop by a filling station and rob it on your way from the service today if you want. He, he will let you do about anything you want to do. That doesn't mean it's his will. doesn't mean it's his plan at all. What you want to do is seek him and ask him what he wants. And did you know you really can? You, you can get it built into your spirit uh, where you can say the words that the master said. He said, low in the volume of the book it is written, I come to do your will, O God. I delight to do your will. I delight to do your will. Did you know you can get that built into your spirit so that you can change? You really can. As an act of your will, you can change and turn from something to something else. And you might think it sounds fickle, but I'm not talking about just being fickle. I'm talking about being having the ability to use your will to help get your flesh and your mind on the right track. You might be looking at something and think, oh man, I don't want that. I'd never do that. No, uh-uh, no. And the Lord says, I want you to do that. And you think, right, Lord, right. That's what we're going to do. That's exactly what I want to do. Did you know you can change? You can. You can change just like that. Or you can, you can set your eyes on something and say, oh, I want that. Oh, boy, if I just had that, that's, that's exactly what. And the Lord says, uh, I don't want you to have that. And you go, right. We don't want that. You can change just like that. Did you know it? Now your head may still be talking to you and your flesh may still, but in your heart you can just stand up and say, right. That's right, Lord. You're right. You can change. I mean, people do that in the natural, don't they? You ever seen them? You know, maybe you got folk walking around and you got the boss man and some of the supervisors or some, so you know, some of the managers around and, and they get talking about, oh, look at this party. Oh, this is a lousy party. And the boss says, you know, I kind of like that. And they go, oh, yeah. I was just saying that, that this is, I don't like this little thing, but, but it's a good, it's a good product. How many have seen people change just like that? And I realize that sometimes people don't really mean the change. They're just acting hypocritically. But you can really change that fast. You can actually make adjustments in your heart just that quick. And so, friend, if you're ever looking at something, you think it's what you want, and the Lord says no, just have faith in Him. Know that He knows more what's better for you than, than you know yourself. Trust Him. He knows you inside and out. He knows you much better than you know yourself. He knows what He's got planned for you. And if He tells you, no, that this is not what you want, this is not good for you, trust Him. He knows things about it you don't know. Trust Him. Trust Him. Amen? Single people. You like somebody and set your eyes on them and you get to praying about it and the Lord won't even talk to you about them? Did you hear me? And you might think, oh, nobody could be more wonderful than them. How do you know? You haven't met everybody in the world. You don't know. 
if God won't talk to you about it and God says that's not the right one for you, have enough faith in Him to know that there's someone better for you. Amen. See, I'm not talking about they're a better individual than that individual, but they're just better for you. Right. Amen. Yes, amen. Have faith in Him. Trust Him. You know, the flesh reaches and grabs what it can get right now. But faith waits on God's best. It really does. Faith waits on... It takes faith to wait on God. Because your flesh wants it now. And if it even remotely resembles what I thought I wanted, your flesh will grab it now. Get it now. But friend... The Bible said that when God does things for you, He's able to do exceeding abundantly above whatever you have asked, above what you've asked or thought. Isn't that right? And I, I tell this sometimes to the students, when it comes to these kind of things, make do, won't do. Amen. If it's not quite, then it's not right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're not, if you're not quite satisfied with it, and you think, well, you know, this is nice and this is great, but i just not quite satisfied. Well, hold out. I said, hold up and wait for God's best. Can you say amen? Amen. It takes faith to wait on God. Flesh wants to grab whatever's handy now. Faith waits and gets the best. You've heard the saying, good things come to those who wait. There's a biblical spiritual principle there. Now, in talking about the fact that God wants to order and guide our connections... I want you to go with me over to 1 Samuel 18. And I want us to see how God does these connections. First Samuel chapter 18. Now you know the story here that David in, in chapter 17 slew Goliath. And I mean, God really used him and wrought a great victory for the Israelites. Once this happened, and they brought him back, and Saul said, whose, whose boy is this? And they said, you know, this is Jesse's boy. And, and Jonathan was there with his dad, Saul. And the Bible says here in chapter 18, verse 1, uh, 1 Samuel, It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, did you notice that? The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his home to his father's house. Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments even to the sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, you see, we talked about this earlier this week, that divine love is not a, I love you, I need you. I love you, I want you. That's not divine love. Divine love is, I love you, what can I do for you? What can I give you? Divine love gives. What people say, what people think is love, oh, I love you, I need you. No, that's self-love. You love what they do for you. You're just saying, you know, I, I love how you make me feel. I love what you do for me. You're basically saying, I love me. That's the truth. Multitudes of people call that love, but divine love is, I love you, I give. 
And you know, people make all kinds of relations and connections and agreements for mutual benefit. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, I mean, in the world, people will merge businesses and companies and projects. Why? For mutual benefit. But if anybody loses their part of the benefit, that's the end of the program. Isn't that right? But see, it ought not be that way with us. We should operate off the principle of divine love and remembering the words of the Master that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we're to realize that God has placed us in the body of Christ and He has knit us together with certain people. Amen. Amen. If you have much spiritual discernment at all, you should be able to realize people that God has knit you together with. There are people that God has knit you together with and perhaps people that He will yet hook you up together with. And you know, it's sad to say, but there's a lot of politics in church. People trying to get friendly with this one and get friendly with that one. To be seen and just to be able to tell other folk, well, I know so and so. and They're my personal friend. And we did this together or we did that together. Oh, so and so. Oh, yeah, that's just a chum buddy of mine, you know. And that's just falseness. And hypocrisy and deceit. And see, God's not in any of that. But friend, we ought not to set our eyes on personalities and think, well, I want them for my friend or I want this one for my companion or associate. No, you should look to the Lord and say, Lord, who do you want? Who who do you want me to be hooked up with so that I can be a blessing to them and they can be a blessing to me? Amen. Amen. This goes back to what we studied in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talked about the fact that the different parts in the body of Christ are all important and God has set them all as it pleased Him. And He said, what if, what if one part said, well, I want to be the other part? And what if the whole body were an eye, you see? Well, where's the hearing? You need all the parts in their place. Well, see, what if my elbow got to looking at my face? And say, so, well, man, you know, the face is the place. I mean, you know, the face is never covered. The face is always getting the glory. Everybody looks at the face all the time. It's the face, the face, the face. And I'm just back here covered up with all of these sleeves. Nobody ever sees me. Are you listening? Behind the scene. And all I ever hear is the forearm and the upper arm saying, Hey, we need some movement. Hey, we need this. We need that. I need to go this way. Help me out with this. Help me out with that. And he said, I'm leaving. I don't get no respect. And so he leaves and moves up here to the nose. He's going to hurt the face. Isn't that right? Who wants to look at a face with a big elbow right in the middle of it, you know? And he's going to hurt the arm. Because without an elbow, the arm would be just straight. You see, if you just hooked up this part of the body to the other part, no movement. Couldn't use it right, you see? No, God has placed every member in the part of the body like it's pleased him. 
And instead of the elbow looking longingly and saying, well, I want to fellowship with the nose and, and with the mouth and, and with the, the cheeks and the eyes. I want to fellowship. I want to fellowship with them. Those are the important parts. No. The elbow needs to cultivate its fellowship with the parts that God has joined it to. It needs to cultivate the fellowship with the forearm and with the upper arm. Isn't that right? Do you know, I was reading some materials by another individual. Actually, this is a, this man was a physician, very learned man in the area of medical science and physiology in the body. And he was talking about some comparisons of the body of Christ and the human body. Of course, he understood the human body much better than, than myself. And he talked about things like cancer cells and tumors and some of those things. And he talked about how that those, like, just, just say like a, a fatty tumor. What happens, and cancer growth too, what happens is some, some of these cells in the body, they quit working for the whole body and quit functioning as an integral part of the body and they start building their own little kingdom within the body. Now that's interesting, isn't it? How many know that a growth is a structure that's, that's not helpful to the body. And I mean, it's sapping life and strength away from other parts of the body and it's actually rebel members Amen. of the body. Amen. Both cancerous growths and even those that are not malignant, just tumors and things growth have to do with cells that no longer think of themselves as a part of the whole body. They start saying, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they start doing things that they're not supposed to do and just forgetting about contributing their part to the other parts of the body and try to build their own little kingdom there within the body. And even sometimes to the death of the body. They're building their little kingdom and see the bigger the growth gets, they're building it and building it and sapping life and strength from other parts of the body to do so. Now, there's, there's a lot of comparison and analogy there, isn't it? And it talked about spastic muscles. About how different diseases and nerve-oriented problems, you've seen situations like this, where a spastic muscle it just contracts when it's not supposed to. And what's happening is this muscle is contracting when it's neither wanted nor needed. You see, when one muscle contracts, the other ones have to relax. If they all contracted at the same time, you'd just be rigid, paralyzed. And as members of the body of Christ, we all of us can't be doing our thing at the same time. That's right. Is that right? We can't all be trying to contract and say, look at me, look at me. When one part is moving, others have to relax and, and yield. And then when it gets through moving and the other part's supposed to move, then they do their thing and the others relax. Well, there's so many parallels there about flowing with the Holy Ghost, isn't there? You know, we, we need to learn that services are not supposed to be just a one individual show necessarily. But we need to learn how to even flow in ministry and flow, especially in services like believers meetings. Where we learn to flow and let God use. Amen. And people get rid of their pride and wanting to be seen and wanting to be noticed and wanting to put themselves forward. And people lose this thing of I'm a this or that and begin to realize I'm a part of the body and function and flow with the body like it's supposed to. Amen. Now, here's the thing that we wanted you to, to really make note of. And that is go back with me to Colossians 2. In Colossians 2, 
He said, verse 19, he said, not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Let me read that other translation to you. It says, from whom the whole body by the joints which bind it draws full supplies for all its needs. We had said to you that the nerve energy and direction for everything for all of the body comes from the head, doesn't it? I mean, if I want to move my hand, where's it got to come from? That's got to come from the head. Isn't that right? But the message doesn't just come from here through the air to my hand. Does it? Does it? Your hand's not radio controlled, is it? I mean, it's not wireless, so to speak. There is wiring. That's the nervous system. And when I want my hand to do something, then it comes from my head. But the head ministers that through the neck, through the shoulder, through the arm, the elbow, the wrist, to the hand. Now see, if there's some obstruction anywhere along the way, then that message and flow won't get to the hand. And what many folk have not realized is how that God has ordained to minister and supply the needs of the body from the head, but through the body. In so many things that we need, you know, you, you may pray and ask God for this or ask God for that, and so many times the way He's going to answer your prayer is through another part of the body. I mean, in time after time after time after time, the way He's going to do it. You know, if you read 2 Corinthians, it's interesting. Over in the first chapter, Paul talked about how God had comforted him and gotten him through some tough spots, you see. But if you skip over to the seventh chapter, he explains how he did it. We see that actually he said he was comforted by the coming of Titus. That's right. That's right. First of all, he just said God comforted him, but we find out that he did it through Titus. See, God had hooked Titus and Paul together. And there were times, probably for a long time, that Paul had ministered to Titus. And there was just a supply from Paul to Titus. But you know, now we begin to see that there was a flow from Titus to Paul. Amen. You know, that's my desire. Yes. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to honor our parents. Isn't that right? And of course, that's true naturally. But you know, spiritually, it ought to be true too. You know, it ought to be your desire. People that helped you when you are a babe. People that helped you when you didn't know anything, you see. You know, you ought to want to believe God to grow and develop so that God could use you to minister some things back to them if it pleased Him, you see. Amen. Amen. And we need to get rid of the mentality of just being a big sponge. You understand what I'm saying? And just, you know, bless me, bless me, bless me. I need, I need, I need. And learn how to let God fill us up with good things and begin to minister. Out. Now you need both. You need to take in and you need to minister out. You need to be able to receive from the parts of the body that God's hooked you up to. And you also need to be able to minister to them and supply their needs. There's a supply. Do you remember what it said? From the head on high. You see, From the head, every part is supplied and nourished through every joint. Amen? God has joined you to people and joined them to you. Now if that's true, That so much of what God would do in your life is going to come through people. Through people in the body of Christ that He's hooked you up to. Then don't you know that the devil 
would realize that and make that a, a priority to sever those connections. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, strategic maneuver in battle is cut off the supply from the enemy. Isn't that right? I don't care how powerful they are and how mighty they are. You cut off their food, cut off their water, cut off their ammunition, and just let them sit there for a while. And they're not going to be nearly as formidable. Isn't that right? There's been battles won, never a shot fired. They just let people just sit there until they're about starved. And it's either die or surrender. And folk gave up and didn't even fire a shot. Well, see, the devil wants to sever the connections. He wants to come in and cause you to get offended at people, get hurt, little misunderstandings. And he'll lie to this one about that one and to that one about this one. I know the devil does that. He'll go over this one and say, you know what they think about you? And lie, lie, lie. And then he'll go over the other and say, you know what they think about you? And lie, just lies. But what happens is a lot of times people believe those lies. And so they, then they start acting funny. And then when they do act funny, the devil says, see there, see there, told you. Told you that's what they think. And so the gap gets broader. And people build walls and let things get put up between them. And, and, and what's happening? If you let that wall get up, what's going to happen? It's going to restrict that supply of the Spirit that's supposed to come from them to you and from you to them. That's right. That's good. Amen. See, we, we need, we need each other. Yes, amen. We do. The Bible said no man lives or dies unto himself. We're not an entity unto ourselves. We're a member in the body of Christ. Amen. amen. And yet if you take any one of these members of the human body and you sever it and lay it off by itself, it's no good for anything. It's cut off from its source. But you hook it up with the other parts and it's wonderful. Yeah. And it can do all kind of things. Yes, amen. And you by yourself, my friend, you're not that hot. You may just say, oh, just me and Jesus is going to save the world. No, you're not. No, you're not the body. You are a member. And listen to this, my friend. You not only have to learn how to work with the Holy Ghost, you have to learn how to work with the rest of the body of Christ. Now, folk don't like that, you see. And people, even in past days and even in recent times, they developed this idea, well, let's separate from everybody and go off and, and just be a solitary individual and we'll develop spiritually. Oh, no, 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 no. No. It's challenging to get along with people. Anybody can walk in love out in the desert by yourself. <laughs> right? What challenge is that? It's dealing with people day in and day out. That's where the acid test of walking in love is. Amen. Being led by the Spirit and the challenges are. That's right. That's right. Friend, there's a supply. Yes. There is a supply of the Spirit. Yeah, there's some things God will give to you just directly. That's true. But there's a lot of things God has ordained to minister to you through others. And that's the only way you're going to get it. And you can say, well, I don't care, I don't like them, we've had problems, I don't like the way they've treated me, and that's just it. Well, okay, you just shut off the door to a supply you need. Oh, I don't need them, you're deceived. Remember what the Bible said over in 1 Corinthians 12, the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. If you get to thinking, I don't need them, I don't need that person, I mean, you know, they don't like me, I don't like them, fine, I don't need to. Hey, if God has ordained that you be joined to them, you and they can fight and feud all you want to, and it's still going to be that way. Amen. 
And you can cut yourself off from a supply of the Spirit. You can hinder them and hinder yourself and cause yourself problems. If you cut off part of its nerve supply and blood supply, you're going to make it vulnerable to sickness and disease. Isn't that right? It's not going to work right. There's going to be problems developed. Do you see why we're saying this in connection with healing? So many times what people need is going to come through an individual that they've written off. Do you know there were times in the Bible where people were physically sick and God told them, you go get so-and-so to pray for you. So-and-so? Yeah. You know, the king Abimelech, he had problems in his household and God told him, you go get Abraham to pray for you. Remember Job's three friends and he had it out for chapter after chapter after chapter. I mean, they, they had heated discussions. They weren't that excited with each other after all of that. And you know what God told Job's three friends? He said, uh, he said I want you to go get Job to pray for you. <laughs> Did you know that a lot of times if people would really seek God and really listen to what God's telling them, He'd say, I want you to go get so-and-so to pray for you. Oh, Lord, anybody but so-and-so. <laughs> Not them. Yeah. That's God God has chosen to minister to you through that way. And you can get in every healing line, you can get everybody and their brother to agree with you, and nothing's gonna happen till you do it. Are you with me? Yes, amen. Well just me and Jesus, we just get it take care. Hey, you can't just live just you and Jesus apart from the body. It's not gonna work. Well, a lot of things I'd like to say, but our time has gone far enough. But how many believe God joined you to people and them to you? How many know you are to value those relationships? You are to hold them precious and dear and you are to guard them. You are to work to protect them. And if you see little things start creeping in between you, I mean you are to do whatever you need to do. Just get with them and say, hey, we need to talk. Get together and pray. Talk it out. Pray it out. Uh, be willing to change. Be willing to give. Amen? Amen? But protect that connection because through that connection comes a flow of life to you and from you to them. Amen? Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.